Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Stand For podcast. Uh, to introduce ourselves, we are a youth activism group based in the west end of Newcastle called Stand For. Throughout these exciting episodes, we will discuss educational and social issues we are passionate about with inspiring guests, from MPs to lawyers to businesswomen. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. My name's Sophie. And my name is Jessica, and we're both members of the youth activism group Stand For. To kickstart, we have the absolute pleasure of interviewing the amazing Chi, Labour MP for Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Welcome to the podcast, Chi. Thank you for taking the time to participate in our discussion. To begin, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what you stand for? That's a fantastic question. Just to say thanks so much for inviting me. I feel really honoured to be here and I'm so pleased to meet you. Um, so my name's Chi Onwara. I'm the Member of Parliament for Newcastle-upon-Tyne Central, as you said. And I guess what I stand for, and it's a huge honour and privilege, I stand for Newcastle Central. Literally in Parliament, I stand for and I speak for the people of Newcastle Central. And that's for trying to speak for all the issues that are concerned to them, whether that be the price of buses, bus fares, which is what I was speaking about yesterday, or it, whether it's international policy in the Ukraine, or whether it's uh, energy costs or whatever it is, whatever people raise, raise with me, that's what I stand for. But I suppose more than that, just, you know, I also stand, I'm a Labour politician, I stand for Labour values. I, joined the party when I was 16, I believe in the values of equality, of opportunity, of uh, social justice, really. So Newcastle Central and social justice, that is what I stand for. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. Um, as a common student of Cantor School, my experiences have been very bumpy. So like, I joined in year seven. So like, obviously I've been in cancer school for a really, really long time. So, um, so like to get, like to fit in, I had to like make myself visible to other people. And then um, I got to a point where like um, in year nine, uh, we were, do you know like how we all have like books to read for like the year. So in year nine, we had a book called The Mice and Men. And everyone was just excited because we're going to watch a new movie and read a new book. And so um, we're reading the book at first. And um, when we're reading, um, as we all know, I think, the book is racist. So, like, in one of the chapters, it said the N-word. And my teacher read it. And so, like, me and my friends were, like, kind of confused. We were like, oh, why would you say that? You could have skipped past that part because you'd want us to skip past the swear word but then why would you want to skip out the word so she was like oh it's on a book so i can't really do anything i said okay but you've really upset us so what are you gonna do now she said oh just get over it so yeah i j for me i just want this book to like be removed out of the school curriculum not i'm not saying maybe removed but maybe like give it to like younger children for like year 10s and year 11s because i did this book in year eight and our mentality isn't just mature enough to understand this book because it's racist, it's vulgar, and it doesn't respect women at all. So it's not right for this age group of kids because they wouldn't understand what the word in the book means. So, like, you know what I mean? So that's all. Well, I think, I mean, yeah. I, think, I think it was great. Can you say, I just really do think it was great that you... Um, 
raised it yeah. and you spoke out about it. I mean, it shouldn't be on you to speak out. I think it's really important for, uh, especially for any minoritized group, but it is uh, really important that it's not the people who are, uh, if you like, impacted directly or personal experience of uh, racism or sexism who should be the only people who are speaking out. But it's good that you did speak out about it. Um, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, that raises, for me, it does raise an issue about uh, the school's ability to deal with and contextualize really important issues. And as your MP, if you'd come to me, I would have raised, I would have spoken yeah. out on your behalf, as I think yeah. that's part, that is part of my job. Um, I'd also, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I, mean, I have, to be honest with you, I haven't read my, of Mice and Men. There's, there's a whole section of literature, people's literature, <laughs> that I don't read because I know I don't particularly want to uh, experience what um, would be, uh, you know, what I think some people call uh, micro uh, aggressions. But mm. I think I, I think that's probably a dismissive term for it. You know, I mean, but I have read so many. I mean, I had the experience of reading so many books. I love reading, and I recommend reading and read everything. Actually, you know, so many books which have racist or sexist or whatever traits in i don't think you can like i don't believe in destroying them or burning them or taking them out yeah. of the uh, curriculum but i do believe in as you suggested sort of like contextualizing them and i'm going to make a confession to you that i haven't made to anybody else uh when i was about your age i actually stole a book from Kent School Library because it was racist, it had racist passages in it. I think that's too long ago for me to be charged with it now, but anyway, I'm going to stand up for that now. Thank you very much. Um, so, what was your experience like at Kenton School, like um, some matter dresses or? Uh, I mean, I love Kenton School. Yeah. Um, I am. Um, I ha I mean, I had. A, I experienced a lot of racism. Um, I kind of made a thing out of that because as a consequence I joined every single club that was going so that I was never on my own at lunchtime yeah. or just after school so in fact that really stood me in good stead because you know I ended up being a being very athletic and joining the photography club right but anyway but yeah there was a you know there was a there, there was a different time then it's a long time ago there was mm -hmm. a lot of racism and teachers didn't speak out about it which i which i think i think was wrong particularly in retrospect but at the same time i was hugely supported and encouraged to do so many things like you know uh play the saxophone like read everyone like i wanted to be an engineer i became an engineer i was hugely supported in that so it had you know sort of high standards on an academic level i don't think the standards in terms of personal welfare were as high or mental well-being yeah but um but i um yeah i learned a huge amount there and i'm very grateful to the teachers when i was, when I was there yeah, that's interesting to um, speak about because I think there's a lot of discussions at the minute about um, kids as like welfare within school because I feel like it has been neglected quite a bit. So that's uh, interesting that it's still going on to this day. But, um, yeah, it's a pity. It's a disappointment. Yeah. yeah. But um, after Kenton School, uh, you went to went on to graduate from Imperial College London with a degree in electrical engineering, which is really <laughs> impressive. Um, but as you know, um, as you'll obviously know, uh, engineering is a massively male-dominated field field so i'm just wondering some of the challenges you face being an agenda minority along your journey well i that's really great another great question and i would say that my experience at imperial was so just yeah that was where that was my first experience down south if you like and that is where I experienced a sort of different type of racism but but racism 
from professors as well as from students whereas at Kenton I never actually experienced racism directly from teachers but it, um, at Imperial uh, it, it, was, it, it was so right wing and it was such a shock <laughs> to someone coming from uh, Newcastle if you like uh, but um, and I was there was 10 women out of I think 110 in the engineering department and then once I when I left when I graduated you know I was always always the only woman in the room in the lab in the conference whatever it was and often you know generally the only black person of color the only working class person as well it was so it was it's kind of like fe feeling very very minoritized there's so many different types of minority i was uh, but i've got to say at the same time you know engineering as a career is fantastic it was like every day was problem solving challenge you know challenges doing things i, I helped build out the first GSM network in Nigeria. I'm really proud of that. You know, I designed uh, the world's first smallest double-sided um, ISDN card. You won't know what that is, but I was very proud of it. You know? <laughs> okay, so it was, it was great. It's great, but it was quite lonely at times. And I'm really one of the things in Parliament and as an politician, I really want to do is to make sure that changes. You know, we shouldn't be waiting decades to get gender equality in uh, engineering in STEM. There's great jobs, and everyone it should be available to everyone. Yeah. Um. Myself and Sophie are interested in career decision making from politics to local council to social policy. Can you detail what inspired you to enter career of politics and can you describe some of the challenges you face as a black female MP? Wow, that's a big question. I mean, <laughs> very long. A lot in there. <laughs> um, so, and I'm, I could talk for hours about that. So I'm trying to be brief. I mean, what inspired me to go into politics? I think there's two things. My, my mum, who wasn't a politician, but you know, we talked about politics all the time at home. Talked, as I say, like two subjects at home were politics and football. So we talked that was that was what we were arguing, discussing, talking about all the time. And she also made it clear to me. So I grew up in North Kenton in a council house. You know, a hundred yards down the road, I had a great school. Uh, that that not everybody has that kind of not everybody has those privileges. Even though you know we were very poor, I didn't feel privileged. But she made it clear to me that that is a privilege and that those privileges only came about because working people fought for them. You know, they weren't given to you. They didn't like, you didn't like erupt from the ground, these schools and, and, and health centers and GPs and all that. that. That had to be fought for over decades and generations. And that the way to fight for that was through politics and particularly through the labor movement. So, and that's why I joined the Labour Party when I was 16. When I was 17, I was elected the MP for Kenton School in a mock election. At that time, Kenton held mock elections. I'm not sure whether you do, do anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first, uh, if you like, uh, experience of politics. And so, I suppose, so what inspired me was my experience of poverty and inequality, but also the, the sense that that, sh that everyone should have access to great housing, great schools, you know, healthcare. That was what made me want to go into politics. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, and um, what are some challenges you faced along the way? Like, has there ever been more moments where you've been like, oh, I can't do it, or there's like <laughs> stuff in the way? Like, is there any uh, particular moments that stand out here? There's been, you know, there's been so many challenges. I suppose one of the first is, is just in terms of, um, just in terms of going, deciding to stop, you have to put yourself forward. To, I mean, it depends which party you, jo you're, you're, you join up, but in fact, no, whichever party you're in, 
you have to put your you have to say i'm standing to be the candidate in this constituency and i think i for so long i sort of thought that if people wanted me to be the mp somebody would tell me you know i think um, i think yeah. there can be a tendency particularly from people from working class backgrounds and particularly i think for women and girls as well to think not to want to not to put yourself forward and so how you know putting myself forward and i know you probably don't believe this but i was intensely shy before i came into politics anyway so putting yourself forward is i think a challenge particularly for those from minoritized sort of background so um i um putting myself forward i think was the first challenge and and, and i'll just say to you, you know if you if i'd looked at mps which i did you know like in politics i'd have seen that they weren't all perfect or amazing or incredibly articulate or whatever you know that i that i was as good as any of them but i tended to um i was sort of like waiting for the for somebody to tell me and i, and I but when i did put myself forward in 2009 and i was selected i think you know some of the challenges people you know said newcastle wasn't ready for a black mp some people said that i mean and i always knew that that you know i knew that newcastle would vote on the basis of who they thought was the best person you know and uh, and that it was actually as i said so you know it was more important that i was from newcastle and uh, that's actually what it turned out what it was i got i mean i've been elected and re-elected ever since um i think uh parliament if you've been to parliament it is like it certainly it was it's less so now like a gentleman's club mm. you know i always say that you're followed around by dead white men in tights because all the paintings are from mps from the 16th and 17th and 18th century and there's no one that looks like you so that feels um excluding um yeah i think there's there's challenges in just representing newcastle's a really diverse constituency You've got some of Elzik, for example, has some of the highest levels of uh, multiple deprivation in the country. Uh, Gosforth has some of the like richest levels of, uh, of residence. So you know, it's really it's diverse in terms of religion and race, and so so there's a, there's a challenge there, and um, and sort of fight. You know, it's the it's, I've never be spent so much time with so many Tories you know before going into politics and that was such some getting used to as well yeah i can i can imagine but thank you for sharing i think it's really inspirational to hear from like someone who's came from similar backgrounds to us and um yeah. someone we can relate to because like um in particular um like i'm a working class student I, I attend i now attend a free paying school so i know exactly what it's like to be in the minority sort of thing in terms yeah. of like uh, um you know, you're, you're surrounded by people who, despite the fact only living 10 minutes up the road from you, have a completely different upbringing to you. It's, uh, it's crazy. But I'm just wondering, um, like, in terms of uh, politics, like, do you ever grow out of the imposter syndrome? <laughs> I find it something like, I've, I've gone down to Parliament if you, uh, in November, I do like a drop-in session with a charity. And um, I, even then, and I was only there a few hours, and I've never felt so out of place in my whole life. So, oh, no. yeah, I know. I just wonder <laughs> if it's something, like, you've learned to grow out of, or you've, it's just something you battle, like, every time you go down or stuff like that. Uh, well, I think, so, like, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think there's two ways of answering that. Yeah, you know, I think I was looking, I'm sure, you know, I was brought up to believe that I was equal, equal of every, anyone, you know, and my mum, you know, was a big feminist and uh, anti, obviously, not obviously, but anti-racist and, you know, the class struggle and everything. So, so intellectually, if you like, one can believe that one is equal and, you know, and I hope, I'm sure you do. Um, um, but then there's the kinds of, um, I think this is, I don't know how to describe it, but there's a sort of disadvantages of being in somebody else's club, 
and that's you know and it, the, I mean, that in itself is the level of um of sort of structural disadvantage which we need to address because parliament shouldn't be somebody else's club parliament is where is the rep it's representation of the people by definition is the people's uh, but those you know and you, you see somebody and I, I don't know why he comes to mind but let's say boris johnson uh, who went to eton who feels that he has the sort of the privilege of occupying space you find occupying space both in terms of just people's body language but also in terms of speaking all the the time <laughs> and so i think what, what you're calling imposter soon and i do recognize that it's about you know sometimes forcing yourself to speak up and that's why you know so sort of representing newcastle is such a big thing because that gives me the the determination to speak up when i might not otherwise do it but but yes you know recognizing that you may feel that you shouldn't be occupying as much space as this person over there or speaking as as much or whatever but you but you but you must do because you've got to occupy you've got to own your own space so um so in terms of what you say i don't think i don't think you grow out of note of noticing that some of the differences and that you can more accustomed to it but at the same time i really sort of value and i'm proud of my working class upbringing and the fact that i'm not <laughs> not an arrogant um <laughs> so all the other so i'm so i don't want there's some things i don't want to change i definitely do not want to change about myself so that's so uh, you have to you know keep a hold of you because that's the most you're the most important person mm -hmm. to represent Yourself. Thank you. Well, um, finally, what is next for you in the future? Do you have like any future aspirations or next steps you'd like to take? Well, that's a great, you know, um, and my big, big, big aspiration is for a Labour government. And, you know, what, you know, that's, you know, it's, I've been in politics for 10, 11 years now, and we've always been in opposition. And, you know, I've seen and, you know, you just I've just seen Newcastle on average, people in Newcastle get poorer. We haven't, you know, the average wages in Newcastle haven't gone up in 10 years. And then at the same time, services have been reduced, you know, um, there's, we don't have the litters, <laughs> the, the council's lost half its central funding, there's less youth services, schools have been cut, you know. So seeing that, I know that if, if my responsibility like, is the well-being of people in Newcastle Central, and as long as this government is in power, that is not going to, that's not going to happen, you know, it's not going to improve. So, so my big ambition, if you like, is for is for a labor is for a labor government and that's what i'm working towards um other, you know i do also want to see more investment and more jobs in newcastle i think that will follow from the labor government um i suppose personally um you know I, i'm i'm still at heart in many ways an engineer i'm the shadow minister for science research and te in technology so it means i get to you know um a lot a lot of so a lot of my brief is about engineering and science so that's great so uh but i would um like to understand uh, better um some of the great changes in technology and science you know like artificial intelligence and like you know the life sciences uh, nanotechnology there's all these great inventions and developments which i don't understand as well as i'd like to so i don't understand the technical details of it and one of these days i'm going to um dive back into that if you like uh, but uh, 
but let's get a Labour government in. <laughs> <laughs> we're with you on that one. Um, but yeah, just uh, thank you because I think what you're saying is really inspirational, and I think that there's a, there'll be a lot of people listening. And I know from yeah. I can speak for me and Jess to say that that's like a, a very like big thing. So I just wonder if like to finish on you could maybe say something like. Is if you are talking to your younger self, or like yeah. I know this is such a crazy like podcast <laughs> question, like oh, what would you say to your younger self? But yeah. like not even that, or just someone like a young person who's maybe in similar positions than you. Like what would you say to them if they're sitting now feeling like the stuff they want to change and the stuff yeah. that they want to do about it? Like what would you yourself? What sort of advice would you give to them? Well, I think the first thing I would say, you know, is you are so right. <laughs> you know, I think my uh, you know my memory of being around your age is like having a lot of doubts you know doubts about you know my if I think this is unfair or this is wrong um is that you know why is it happening am I you know should I talk speak up about it or whatever you know and I'd say you know your you know it's a trust in yourself yeah and if because if you at your age you see things much differently from from older people like myself who've got more used to the world as it is you're more likely to see the world as it should be and you must sort of hang on to that and you know make that make that drive your determination to change the world so i'd say that i'd say that is the first thing to myself i would say you know you're right this isn't fair it isn't fair that uh, parliament looks is all white and almost all male it's not fair that uh, all the uh, all the jobs are going and leaving newcastle these you you're right so i think that's the first thing i'd say and the other thing I, w- I would say is um you know you know t- talk to and find people who you know who have similar experiences or different experiences that you can engage with networking and sharing experiences. Like, you know, I'm a labor politician. I believe that you're stronger together. And I think that starts at every age and finding Mm -hmm. people that you can network with, work with, talk to, exchange experiences with, that will hugely um, strengthen you. Because, you you know, again, you don't know what you don't know, but by talking to a wide range of people and listening to them, that'll help you know what you need to know, you know, so that you can get on and change the world because it certainly needs changing. Yeah, a million percent. I do agree with you. Yeah. I think it's. A, I think I really like your point about uh, networking with people who aren't in similar boats because I think um, you could fall into the perception of like I've got my friends from home and I'm like always want to be with them because you know the getters that grew yeah. up in the same council state and all that stuff. But I think it is really important if you want to make change to kind of say. I mean a cliche again but like the other side of the fence sort of thing because when yeah. I obviously moved to a completely different school I started to say like their opinions and with that now I feel like I'm, I can move forward and be like oh well I know what they think so I can kind of know how to tackle a certain issue and how to talk about it because a lot of it's about lack of education and knowledge about mm-hmm. it. it's not necessarily bad well not all the time we can't tell everyone but uh yeah it's not always about the same brush so no, I think that's a really good point I mean that, that's yeah that it is often it's about I mean, sort of ignorance is the sort of greatest driver of many evils, including like, you know, racism and, you know, ignorance and fear. Not that that's an excuse, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, but talking to people and listening to other people can really sort of help both both of you in terms of increasing the sum sort of total total of knowledge. And, um, and the two, you know, I said, I said my, my advice would be that you're right, but at the same time, you don't know everything, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just hearing and listening to different perspectives 
just can really open up new new avenues to you. And like one of the things I remember, like when I, you know, I mean, I wanted to be an engineer. Um, 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 I did. Um, I, I was interested in politics, so some people said I should think about law. And, you know, to be a law lawyer, to be a to be a barrister at that time, you had to spend a year in what were called inns, eating dinners in order to get qualified as barrister. And I didn't understand how you could do that. Because I didn't see how anyone would pay you to eat dinner. So that was, I mean, my limit of my knowledge of the world was that how would anyone ever pay you just to eat dinner? If people didn't pay you, then how mm-hmm. were you going to survive? You know, as it turned out, you know, there's all sorts of funds and stuff available to support people through that. And it's like being aware of that, you know, to do that, you have to talk and listen to people from outside your own background. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's helping to do that, which it really matters, you know, while you mean you're meaning yourself and true and proud of your roots yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you very much <laughs> yeah i think that's a really good point i, I really yeah. like chatting you yeah. i think yeah. it's it's really interesting it's nice to hear um someone from the like fields like this where there's not a lot of uh, working class representation so yeah. it's nice to hear especially for us um but yeah um thank you for taking the time into for well you interviewed no we interviewed you <laughs> sorry you guys did yeah it's been an absolute pleasure and honestly thank you so much because i know there'll be people listening who will uh, be able to take inspiration from that yeah. and if not me and jess certainly have took inspiration yes, from it definitely. <laughs> so yeah thank you so much and yeah we're excited to see what for uh, uh what what you do moving forward so yeah <laughs> yeah you just find the word <laughs> do you have any questions for uh, questions for the young people well i mean I, I just think it's fantastic that you have a group which is about being active and active active so can i ask you know what what would what would you like me uh, t- to do it's like it's really difficult for me to represent your voice but that's part of what i'm supposed to do what do you think i can do to represent to represent your voice better i think i don't know but i think you know what yeah i don't even want to sound mean or anything but do you know when in my head it's like young people should like start being in charge not in charge but like so you see get rid of that more like do you know how you said like you you joined the party yeah the party like at 16 i think like more young people should like because i know there's a lot of young people out there that like are suffering for like this racism equality and diversity like all this stuff I know there's people who want to speak up, but they come because they don't have a voice. So I think, like, obviously, there's a group we're called Stand For because we stand for what we believe in. Right. So I think there should be more groups, like, because together we could actually make a change because as a younger generation, the new generation, we already know what's going on in the world. Not in the world, but, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. social issues like that. Yeah. And we're most likely to, like, I want to say old people not old people like oh god like all the people but like all the people just think oh they know everything so they know how to you're digging yourself oh it's getting deeper (laughs) i'm so sorry i don't mean it like that yeah as it 
oh yeah, younger people all oh, don't worry, we are taking care of it. But I think like younger people should have a voice as well because we should be able to say our opinion as well. No, absolutely. And I, yeah. you know, I think that one of the things I'm saying, I think that you, there should be votes at 16. Yeah, exactly. I think you should be able to vote from the time that you, yeah. can, you can work and, you know, everything like that. And you start paying taxes yeah. and you should be able to vote and then people would also take you yeah. take your voices more seriously. But yes, you know, join join a political party. And obviously, I'm saying join the Labour Party. But <laughs> uh, join a, and change it, you know, for the better, because you have the ideas about the changes that need to come, you know. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, any way that I can kind of help in that respect just just let me know and come come visit me in parliament i get lonely in parliament a lot of geordies so come visit me in parliament sometime will do I'll yeah. certainly take up on that offer yes <laughs> yeah so yeah thank you thank you very much i think it's a nice way to end it um yeah. so i'm looking to the future and hoping for some changes Great, thanks so yeah, thank you so much. If we do really appreciate it. Yeah. Didn't go too badly. <laughs> the first one. Well done guys. That was really good.